needless to say this is going to grow further and once it reaches this 550 million you have to think about what does it mean 550 million is more than one and a half times the entire u.s population People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. Nimenhao guys and welcome to the next episode of the Dragonfolio China podcast. My name is Eric and today I want to talk about how poor or maybe how rich Chinese people are and especially what's the distribution in China like? Are people rather leaning towards the middle income to the poor or to the rich class? And also I want to give you an idea of how China society does actually look like in the future. I mean we all know that China has seen a unique and unprecedented growth in the past decades. But does this mean it's going to continue? Is China stagnating on a certain level or are they becoming incredibly rich? I'm going to discuss this a little bit. And the reason why I come up with this topic is that very recently there were some statistics released and there was a lot of public attention to a um, to a specific figure and that was I think first mentioned by the Prime Minister of China who said that in China there's still 600 million people with a monthly income of less than 1,000 renminbi. Renminbi obviously is the uh, Chinese currency so 1,000 renminbi would equal around 140 US dollars or for my European audience that's around 125 euros 125 euros per month doesn't sound like a lot and even in china it is not really a lot cost of living in china is not as cheap as we sometimes imagine it my own experience is that everything related to the service sector like if i go for a haircut if i want to have a taxi ride even if i go to a restaurant and have a meal all this is relatively inexpensive but as soon as it comes to more asset-based stuff, housing, cars, or let's say a more Western lifestyle, if you go to amusement parks, if you go to bars, all these kind of things are not cheap at all. So if you want to, you know, keep up with the increasing life standard, you need more money. 125 euro is very little. And why it is so important to think about this topic and why I find it interesting to discuss it is that a lot of foreign politicians they claim that China is actually no longer a developing country so they should also be treated as a developed nation like other developed nations because there is definitely a difference if you are a still developing country you have some privileges um, other countries might be more indulgent to you so it's definitely a, a difference how you are perceived and how you are treated. And so, yeah, is China really this kind of developed and high-income country that some people already claim? Well, looking at the statistics, you can definitely say no. I mean, the income we talk here about, the 1,000 RMB, 
is actually not the gross salary, it is the disposal average income, not the average salary of a person. And so disposable income is basically the money that is left after you paid all your insurance, your premiums, your tax and so on. So it's the money that you can really spend on your living, which you need to fund all your personal costs. The statistics also show, and that's not a big surprise, that 76% of those people actually live in rural areas. You know, there is a big gap between rural areas and urban areas in China. So most of these people live in rural areas. And that's already the first important point, because in a rural area, you might be actually totally fine with this income. You might even be more or less self-sufficient anyways. So it doesn't really necessarily mean that you have a unstable or very bad life with this. That's the first point. The second point that we should mention straight here is that generally this income is of course highly related to schooling. Most statistics also show that those people which are in this um, 1000 renminbi bracket, they only receive an average of about nine years of schooling. That's, um, well, that's enough to finish uh, middle school, but it's not really sufficient to progress beyond that and to get a academic education and so on. And as I mentioned in one of my previous episodes, receiving a proper education is key for most people in order to be, um, I'm not saying successful, but in order to have a certain life standard, in order to make good money and in order to become prosperous, especially if you are born in poverty or in more or less lower income brackets. However, also important to mention is that, I mean, 600 million people, sounds like a lot, right? 600 million people are living with less than 1,000 renminbi, but you also have to bring this number a bit into line with what an average distribution is because the 600 people also include children and elderly people. So around 40% of the 600 million are either older than 60 years or younger than 16. And that's not totally strange because most kids below 16 are not receiving a salary in any country of this world. So this is not really uh, something you should worry about. And also in China, the retirement age is uh, very young. So <clears throat> a lot of people that are in their 50s will already stop working. And then they are supported by their family. So we also have to see that, that the system in China is a bit different here. And um, that we have um, yeah higher income groups, of course, between this 16 and 60 years old um, bracket. Nevertheless, it's still a high number and that already shows the first very important aspect. Although China's rapid economic growth in recent years has put many people into the high or middle income brackets, we cannot ignore the fact that the majority of the population still falls into this low income or at the best in this middle income bracket. So China is still at a stage where it is not comparable to Western counterparts, to Europe, to North America, to Australia. 
that's already very important to know. And so the question is, how does China plan to deal with this? Because it's still a stage where China is in a, well, you can say dangerous environment because you need to put more people out of poverty and you need to keep developing. And China's biggest hope and one of the biggest targets is indeed to further develop the middle income class. China is extremely keen on expanding its middle class population through tax reforms and of course by increasing the disposable income which I mentioned in the beginning. The overall targets are always the same for China. Stability and economic growth. And in order to reach this, you have to expand the middle class population further. How large is the middle income class in China? Well, the estimates of the size depend a bit on the definition, but most um, statistics and most definitions say that the current middle class in China is around 400 million people. And that is around 140 million households. So it is still less than one third of China's total population, right? So there's still a lot of space for improvement. Looking at the overall trend, however, you see that this middle income class is indeed growing. In 2000, so back 20 years ago from now, just 4% of China's urban population was considered to be in the middle class. So now it already rose to over 30%. And by the way, I'm mostly referring to statistics from McKinsey here. So that's basically my source. But if you, if you do research on this, you find similar statistics from others. Not always the same numbers exactly, but it goes into the same direction. So McKinsey figures suggest that the middle class could reach around 550 million in about two years from now, and that would already be 40%. Needless to say, this is going to grow further. And once it reaches this 550 million, you have to think about what does it mean? 550 million is more than one and a half times the entire US population. So China's middle class is becoming incredibly huge. So you can imagine that this country is really changing and shifting. And a lot of the change that you already saw in China is related to this middle income class. China's drivers, China's big engines are, to my mind, are first of all innovation and secondly, the middle income class. Those are both absolutely key and this is why you see very high focus from the government, from the entire economy, indirectly from every single citizen of China to basically push those two things. And in essence, it means that there is, you can say, almost a totally new group of people with totally new possibilities. People who have been relatively poor some years ago suddenly belong to a different income class with totally different financial possibilities. And also, there's of course a new generation growing. All the newborn kids and babies, they belong to a very 
hungry, not literally hungry, to a hungry generation who like to spend money, who like to consume, who have different spending habits from their grandparents. They're increasingly wealthy and so China's society is really changing and that has a huge impact on China and also on the entire globe. It doesn't have to happen always super fast. I even think if it happens too fast, it's dangerous. If it happens too slow, it's also dangerous. But a lot of people these days, they only focus on GDP figures. GDP says nothing about the real potential of a country, especially in a more globalized world anyways, because GDP is just what you do inside your borders. But a lot of people, they only see this figure because it's easy to calculate, it's available. And so people always focus right now on these 6 or 5% growth in China. Oh, before it has been 10%. You know what? I personally don't care at all. It doesn't, doesn't say anything about a country. But if you just look on this middle class, how it is increasing. And also in the middle income class. You have different segments, of course. You have the higher, um, you can say, a, a upper middle income class and a lower one. And also here you see a clear trend that the upper middle income class. So people who have even more money, who might be probably as wealthy as most Westerners already, they are also further increasing. And this is really what matters if you look on the development, the sustainable development of a country. And there are other interesting trends to give you an idea about how China is changing. If you look back 20 years ago, where did the middle class live? Then you see that around 90% was living in those coastal areas. So those are normally the, the big hubs like, you know, Shanghai. In the south, you have Shenzhen, Guangzhou. And all these other, basically, they are the cities with the large ports. So they kind of concentrated all the wealth in China. And if you look how things are turning out now, then you see that now it's already only 60% of the coastal areas account for the middle income class. So that means 40% of the middle income class compared to 10% earlier is already in more like inland China. That's a huge change and it's also going to continue. So you can also see that the wealth is more equally, if you at least look geographically, more equally distributed. And areas who have been previously relatively poor become more wealthy. And important here is also to mention the term tier city. So you have a tier system in China, which classifies cities based on their um, relevance, based on their economic status, and so on. I'm going to discuss this maybe a bit more in detail in another episode. But basically, you have four first tier cities. So those are the cities with the highest possible development in China. These are Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, and Guangzhou. And in 2002, those cities accounted for 40% of the middle income class. And now, guess what? Now it's only 16%. And this is because the second tier cities and third tier cities are on the rise. Second tier cities will be cities like Chongqing or Wuhan 
or Chengdu. And then you have third and fourth tier cities, which are far less developed. But those are the real driver of China. Of course, a city like Shanghai will not grow as fast as it grew in the 80s or 90s. Those cities are taking it a bit slower, if you want so. But these other cities, we don't, we don't know most of them, but you know, China has 150 cities with a population of more than 1 million. And all these, you can maybe call them hidden champions. They're developing still very rapidly. And people there are sort of climbing up the ladder. And yeah, disembark to better parts of the society. And this pushes the entire country. The big tech giants such as Alibaba and JD and Tencent and so on, they are already shifting their growth efforts to rural areas and to the lower tier cities for years because they know that there will be more disposable income in the future. And it is, for instance, expected that by 2021, which is in the not so distant future, right, the lower tier cities will contribute to 43% of China's e-commerce sales, basically. So the cross-merchandise volume in these lower-tier cities are sharply increasing. They already increased a lot. A lot of people there that didn't even have phones until recently. They didn't use any e-commerce. And now they're just starting to use it. And, yeah, if you look on... Companies like Alibaba, on average, their sales and marketing expenses in the, in the third tier cities or below will increase by around 20% every year. So these companies, of course, they know China better than, than all of us. They are already going there. And this is just one yeah, indicator at the end that China is still growing like this. Nevertheless, there's one aspect that you um, often hear about that people mention again and again, and especially when they want to either criticize China or, or, or when they just want to highlight that it's not that easy for China in the future, and that's the so-called middle-income trap. What's the middle-income trap? Well, as a country became relatively strong and self-sufficient, most people are lifted out of poverty. But then the question is, what is the next step? There are a few other countries who also have seen a massive improvement. Living standards did increase. Everything fine. Economic success has been great. But then they fall into this trap for a variety of reasons. And the best examples that we all know are countries like Brazil, South Africa, um, Russia, some Latin American countries. So they deal with this problem that they don't actually have a, let's say, real path after they reached a certain stage. The reason why this middle income trap can really um, threaten some countries and its economies are that, well, if you reach a certain point, you need to kind of keep expanding and that means also you must um, move up the value chain. You cannot just do what you always did, maybe just 
grow your agriculture and just push your industry. You need to change the way how you create value, how you earn money, how you grow. And also your rising domestic wages make your country losing its competitive edge perhaps. And of course, a lot of these countries have problems that are, well, we are familiar with this in the West. They also have aging populations. Normally, more developed countries tend to have older populations, so the workforce decreases and that causes also problems. For me, generally answering this question whether China is falling into a middle income trap is a clear no. And the reason is that China already for years has a clear agenda of how they want to develop China. China is not the pure manufacturing superpower anymore, which is just based on cheap labor. There are a lot of countries in the world who already have labor costs that are much lower than China. You don't have to go too far. You can go to Vietnam, the Philippines. Everywhere you can find labor that is cheaper. Second is that China is already changing its economic sectors. They know they cannot just rely on agriculture or industry or construction sites. They are already for years focusing on value-added manufacturing, technology, and of course on the service sector. And overall, China's innovative strengths is one of the reasons that China is so successful in the past years. And that's something that a lot of other countries, like Russia, like Brazil, are lacking. And also the big advantage when it comes to trade and when it comes to um, manufacturing is not the factories itself or the labor. It is actually the supply chain and the qualified labor behind this. So it's not the labor costs or because they have all these super um, cheap companies and factories. It is because they set up a unique infrastructure and supply chain. And all this combined makes China a absolutely unique place. And is why a lot of companies cannot afford to just move to another country. Recently, there are a lot of discussions where people say, hey, let's go to other countries. We are too dependent on China. The coronavirus clearly indicated that we should change how we globally operate. It's not that easy. There's no second China who has this combination, right? So I think the crucial aspect here is that China is well aware of its strength as well as its weaknesses. So they have a clear vision for their country and they define their role in a global system. They know there are certain roles that they cannot take anymore. Other countries are going to grab this share and that's okay. The bigger problem that I see is indeed that the uh, well aging population in China might lead to a slower growing working force or to a economy that is too much reliant on some industries and so China needs to be I think very cautious here and that could be a huge challenge not tomorrow but in a few years or decades it is becoming an issue in China and that's not really avoidable in the first place but well you can of course do things against it you have a lot of possibilities and 
the easiest is that is what Western countries are already doing for decades is to get labor from outside. And China is well prepared here as well. They have a lot of international students. They are giving away a lot of scholarships to people from Africa, the Middle East, other Asian countries. Of course, also Westerners. There are more, more Westerners who enjoy living in China, who love the opportunities there. So I think that in the future, China will need more labor from outside. China will not become a second Japan that soon. But of course, with an aging population, you have always this demographic risk. So let's summarize all of this a bit. I think I made clear that I personally believe that China is not falling into this middle income trap. However, China is still in an early stage when it comes to developing its middle income class. And there's still a lot of things that have to be done in order to get there. And it's important because you need to keep developing China for the stability. There's a reason why the Prime Minister of China came up with this message. I think he wanted to first of all send a message to his Chinese fellow citizens and telling them, hey, we are not there yet. We need to keep going and we need to be persistent. We need to work hard. We need to stay hungry and we are always in a environment that is not totally stable until we reach a certain point. And he wanted to make clear what China is like, that not people think we are already so developed. He wanted to make clear that China overall has still a long way to go. And the second aspect is that he maybe also wanted to send a message abroad saying, no, look, China is not what some people already think or claim. He would maybe even argue that, I know China often say, we are still a typical developing country dominated by a low-income population. That's not really true, right? Because China is, first of all, not a typical developing country and also they are more and more influenced and dominated by the middle-income class. But it is important to understand that there's still a huge difference between them and other industrialized countries. The pattern, for instance of the income distribution in China is still far away from these uh, classic olive shape, basically, where you have a large middle class and then a short gap between rich and poor. China is not there yet. That's what we're going to see maybe <clears throat> in five or ten years. Though China is not that far away from reaching the stage anymore, and by pushing their value-added manufacturing, their technology, their service sector, they are going to reach this stage eventually and they will become a middle-income class country. They will be in yeah the high-income group of countries, probably by the middle of this decade already. So you can expect that within the next 10 years, China is reaching a new level and then afterwards by around... 2035, the modernization of China will be realized in principle. And what that means in a social and demographic aspect is that the poverty in China will be more or less totally eliminated. 
in about 15 years from now in China. So assuming that China can avoid the middle income trap, which I believe, China is becoming a consumption powerhouse, just like the US, just like many countries in Europe. There is a enormous potential in China. So we are just in many areas, still in the beginning, still China is still in its infancy when it comes to consumption, when it comes to purchase power. And I believe that what happens in the next 10 to 20 years will leave many other countries speechless. And a lot of investors are not really aware of this yet. And many people still don't trust what is going on in China. But if you are in China, if you see it, or if you know about the real potential about this development in China, then you realize that there's so much going on and there's so much going to happen in China, which is absolutely amazing, especially in combination with all the technology. And we're going to see a development, a consumption power that we cannot even think of right now because it is still not really imaginable how so many people are entering this middle income class, high income class, and finally have totally new possibilities of spending money. And what that means for our entire financial system and also for all these companies who are benefiting from this. And of course, for the dominance that China will have also because of their spending and their economic power. Anyway, it's a long-term journey. I hope uh, you found it interesting already today and it became obvious to you that China's strength is certainly not fading away and that the best, at least for this country, is still to come. And if you want to benefit and participate in its growth, there are a lot of opportunities as well. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, and I see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Dragonfolio China Podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net and sign up for the free newsletter.